figure out how to do an intro. How to start it. It's more fun to just start it like this. This is so good so this far is podcast. The podcast. Thanks for joining us. So what's how's your <laughs> been going? <laughs> Clearly mentioned great. On on the way here, um, so the aux cord in my car broke. Uh-huh. And I don't want to use my AirPods while I'm driving in traffic. That feels yeah, dangerous to like listen is. to music. Mm-hmm. I do it, but you shouldn't. Yeah. I don't yeah. have an aux or anything. I don't even have a place uh-huh. to plug an aux in. <laughs> So what year is your car? 2002. <laughs> BC. <laughs> BC. That's right. Might as well be. I just turned on the maps, even though I knew where I was going. And then my Siri is Australian. I hired her. It's a little more because she's from out of the country, but I think it's worth it. It's more. It's more money. <laughs> That's more to pay her. <laughs> Siri's expensive. An Australian Australian Siri could run you like five, ten easily. (laughs) What does that mean? I don't know, five, ten, maybe fifteen even. So where's where's this going? (laughs) Sorry. We lost the plot. Yeah, we lost the plot. Oh, um, so I've just been practicing my Australian accent and just kinda like mimicking Mm. her. And uh, I think it's getting pretty good. Okay. (laughs) Just like I don't want to hear it. No, you you your aux cord doesn't work so you've been listening to siri on maps as yeah. your entertainment yeah through your, your phone mm-hmm. your phone will play music <laughs> if you want it to maybe i just want to speak in an australian accent i'm getting kind of good at it okay so it's a choice yeah it's a choice i guess that I'm making. <laughs> but i think it's paying off do you want to hear it mm-hmm. uh so right ahead you're gonna turn left at the light <laughs> you turn right on spare it's a it's a one way, uh, so uh, you you can only turn right unless you're coming from the other way, and then you're gonna have to be turning left. <laughs> oh my God, I mean, we're kind of tricky. That's not I how serious sounds, but I've just kind of like uh, you, you've I, adapted I've it. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. sure. It, sure. As you, as one does mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're when you're copying yeah. maps. When your aux cord is broken, and then you choose to not <laughs> play music, and you sit in silence until Aussie Siri speaks to you. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Another thing that happened this week was that uh, I got a boyfriend. I can't oh believe gosh. that was the second thing. That's probably not good. Think of all the disappointed men, your boyfriend included. <laughs> disappointing men who are with me, disappointing men who aren't with me. Yeah, mm-hmm. disappointed. disappointed. But also disappointing, probably. Do you want to hear the story of how it happened? Yeah, I do. Okay. Wait, Jackie hasn't told me this yet. I'm friends with all the people that live in my boyfriend's house, and... He invited me over to do their cleaning game, right? And the cleaning game is this drinking naturally. game that naturally, where you you everyone gets a forty, uh-huh. and you take a pizza, right? And then t- you're like, "This is my kind of story." Yep, pizza's <laughs> and, involved. Mm-hmm. I'm there for it. <laughs> and in the time that the oven preheats and the pizza cooks, so like I don't know, maybe like 30, 40 minutes, you have to finish your forty and clean the whole house. That sounds like a good way to get things done, yeah, honestly. it is a good way to get things done. And then when you're done, you're pretty drunk because you just drink an entire 40 really fast. Yeah. And also, you have pizza and it's clean. Wow. That's honestly such a good idea. Yeah, it was really fun. Who wouldn't fun. do that? And then, yeah, exactly. Who wouldn't do that? I mean, you because you can't drink a 40. True. I could drink an entire bottle of wine. That's my, true. That's a great... Might ruin me. <laughs> yeah, it will definitely ruin you. Um. Anyway, so I was almost finished with my 40. Probably only had like... Mm, two inches of it to go and uh, <laughs> two inches two inches i don't know two ounces is that the same thing nope 
And um, I was like, hey, do you want to be my boyfriend? And he was like, I'll be your boyfriend if you finish that 40. And you're like, nope, uh, simply cannot. <laughs> that was worth a shot, I guess. And <laughs> just walked out. <laughs> no, I finished that bitch. And then he's like, I'm now your boyfriend. <laughs> oh my gosh, cute. That's so nice. It was a nice, it's a nice story. It's pretty funny too. Plus then you guys got to celebrate biting pizza and you were kind of drunk. I'm yeah. going to try that game. Yeah. All right. Well, how's your week? I hear you have a funny story. I do have a funny story from this weekend. On Saturday, I went to a concert for a friend's birthday. And afterwards, we went. It was like me and a bunch of our friends. Uh, that's not really true. It was a few people. <laughs> a few of our friends. And we went back to his parents' house after the concert to just like drink more. And... I was pretty, pretty lit, as the kids say. And the neighbors of this, of the house that I was at, the neighbors had a trampoline, which one last time I was on a trampoline, I don't know, 10 years ago. Yeah, I have no I idea. I can't even say. Drunk Nicole was like, how much will you guys pay me to sneak over to these people's yard and do a backflip on the trampoline? And they're like, we'll pay you 20 bucks. Whoa, 20 bucks. That's a good I deal. Know. I was like, okay. I would have just I think they odd, didn't think. Odds are. I know. Odds are, I should have done that. I didn't. I think they didn't think I would even be able to do a backflip. But little known oh, fact. Oh, you had to do a backflip. I had to go get yeah. on the trampoline. And the trampoline had like a net around it. So I had to unzip the net, get in, which was kind of a pain. And it was like a small backyard. Like, I don't know. It was like three in the morning. So I figured, you're not going to wake up. They're deep into REM. But <laughs> <laughs> I went over there and... It's a good thing that did. most people aren't like me because I would just look out the window and be like, who the fuck is on my trampoline? <laughs> I'm trying to watch 30 Rock. I know. God damn it. <laughs> I know. They, I was like, surely they're asleep. There's no lights on in the house. And Drunk Nicole was like, what's the worst that could happen? What are they going to do? I'm not committing a criminal act, technically. You're trespassing. Well, <laughs> other than that. Trespassing and uh, doing legal backflips. Illegal backflips, that's... That feels like a stretch. <laughs> I mean, come on. I would never do an illegal backflip. I think you need to do a stretch before you do an illegal backflip. I think backflip. you're right. I think I should have done something before I did that. But I did it. I did three backflips. Three? And they gave they me t- $60. No. <laughs> Still only flip? 20 But I only landed one. I had, to get it. I had to get myself back into it. Oh, yeah. But I used to be a gymnast. That's true. Little known fact. So. Well, no, I knew that fact. You, yeah, you knew. But many Highly others. Highly known fact. Highly known fact by Jackie. Just <laughs> little like known it, fact to others. <laughs> just like it's a little known fact that you used to be a figure skater. Highly known to me. <laughs> yep. All right, I was, I was, riding, a, I was <laughs> riding a skateboard the other day, and I was like, it's crazy that like if you reconfigure the skateboard to like tie onto my foot and put, you know, the wheels are on my feet instead of like on this board, then I'm super good at it, but I'm terrible at skateboarding. So, like, rollerblading. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Jackie's like, imagine this. Imagine, imagine this. it's right now, today. Mm-hmm. Imagine right now, today, <laughs> I had wheels mm-hmm. on my feet. There was a similar concept back in the day. They were called Heelys. But think of them in the back First. and the front. So, Heelys plus Toleys. <laughs> Heelys plus Toleys equals what? <laughs> equals uh, Rollies. Oh my gosh. Anyway, that was pretty much the highlight of maybe my year. It's hard to say. Plus the live music was fun. 
That is nice. So, I miss live music. Me too. Well, not anymore, but I did. Until this weekend. Shut up, bitch. It was fun. That does sound fun. Yeah. So anyway, today we are going to be talking a little bit about um, anxiety and panic disorder. Um, That's something that I've kind of struggled with my entire life, and I am in a much better place with it now, but I wanted to speak to it a little bit. Kind of a heavier episode, but if you have anxiety, I feel like it it will feel good to hear someone's story that might be similar to yours, or if someone you love is struggling with anxiety, I think that the episode will help you maybe understand a person who has anxiety more. Yeah, with that being said, we are going to jump into it. All right, so, well, we first of all, we just want to put a trigger warning on the episode because, you know, if you're struggling with anxiety and especially panic disorder, the rest of it may trigger you and, you mm-hmm. know... And then also, we're going to say that we're definitely not mental health advisors in any way, not counselors, not therapists, not anything. And all of the content in this podcast is going to be based off of our own experiences and... Yeah, just like our own research. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Um, not to like diagnose yourself personally, because if you feel like you are struggling with this, go to a mental health professional. mm -hmm. Don't email us about it. <laughs> that will but you we'll can, do our best. But you can leave a review <laughs> on iTunes if you'd like. <laughs> as long as it's five stars. <laughs> or else, Jackie says. <laughs> or else. We both have struggled with mental health. And I've struggled more on the depression side, while Nicole struggled more on the anxiety side. And while we both... We've both dabbled we've in both either. We've both dabbled in, in, in both sides. we both dipped our toes in the pools of anxiety (laughs) and depression sure (laughs) we both don't exactly know how the other one feels and just try to you know lend an ear whenever possible but we can both come from the same place that things might not always be as easy for us as other people who aren't struggling with this kind of stuff and that our mental health can sometimes be shaky which I feel like kind of helps us because you know if you're feeling really bad or I'm feeling really bad we're both really understanding Mm -hmm. about it and you know if I'm like hey like I really don't want to do something today for the podcast I'm feeling super depressed you're like totally get that like take care of yourself Mm -hmm. and you've honestly we've both always been like take care of your mental health first Mm -hmm. and then whatever needs to be done yeah like we'll figure out stuff with the podcast like First and foremost, mental health and whatever, health in general, mm-hmm. your needs are going to come first. So, yeah. So that yeah. being that being said, um, so since Nicole has a much deeper experience with anxiety, she's going to share her experience first and probably talk for the majority of the episode because while I've dealt with it, uh, it hasn't been nearly as extensive. So... What was what has your experience been like with anxiety? Yeah, so I have dealt with an anxiety disorder and a panic disorder since I was a child. I guess I just want to talk about up top the difference between feeling stressed or feeling overwhelmed and having an anxiety attack and then also the difference between that and having a panic attack because I know that a lot of times people will say, oh my gosh, I had I had a panic attack earlier today because I was just so stressed out and I was so overwhelmed. And it's, it's not the correct terminology to use. Even anxiety attack would be 
better to say about that because that's totally understandable like that anybody can have an anxiety attack you're completely overwhelmed you don't know like what to do or how to how you're gonna get all this stuff done or whatever the situation might be I think just talking about the difference between that and understanding that they look a little bit different and knowing that anxiety or an anxiety attack is kind of an overwhelming feeling of stress or nervousness or anxiety you're feeling very on edge or scared or jittery you can have an increased heart rate kind of that feeling of a pit in your stomach or feeling nervous for giving a presentation or something like that and then a panic attack is basically like a huge step above that where you're having an extremely increased heart rate extremely increased blood pressure in a short period of time you can be shaking uncontrollably sweating your vision can become blurred you can become nauseous or even vomit you can become dizzy have loss of vision or consciousness basically it feels like you're dying and it's something that feels like in the moment like it's never going to end and you can't bring yourself back into reality and you're so deep into your head that like your body thinks that it's dying it goes into a response it feels like it's in immediate danger I just think that that's important to talk about up front and just for anyone who maybe doesn't know the difference or doesn't know what a panic attack is or what the symptoms of that are or how to see if that's happening to somebody but a lot of times you literally know they won't show any outward symptoms they're not going to say it they're so in their head that it's really not something that comes to the surface so and, and you've had both you've experienced both. yes I have because I have yeah both a generalized anxiety disorder and then a panic disorder panic attack is like it can come out of nowhere and they're so terrible and terrifying when you have them you just it's it's basically the first thing you said where you feel like your body reacts in such a way that it thinks it's like in survival it's mode. in survival mode exactly and so it's kind of hard to explain if you haven't had one um but basically all those symptoms it's like what will happen is that my heart rate will start to get faster like something will trigger me it usually is the fear of having a panic attack which is super fun something will trigger me whatever that might be my heart rate will start to increase and I'll in my head be like you can't have a panic attack you don't have a panic attack and then my brain's like lol watch watch me and it sometimes you can you know calm yourself down sometimes you can't my specific experience with it there wasn't anything there wasn't like one specific thing I can think of that was this trauma that led to my anxiety there's certain things from my childhood that people typically want to attribute it to childhood traumas if you will that aren't really related to it and and I don't think they're related because I've had anxiety even before some of these things happened and so basically when I was a kid I was always just kind of a nervous kid. I was pretty anxious. I didn't ever want to like try new things or do anything that I thought was potentially dangerous to me, like jump off the diving board or like go on a roller coaster, like those kinds of things. I just was scared to do. I didn't want to go down the water slide. I didn't want to get on the Tower of Terror or something, you know, at the amusement park. That was to me like, I just didn't want to ever do that. So I was already kind of nervous. And then when I was a kid, I remember every single night when I would go to bed, my mom would like tuck me in or whatever and I'd be like crying and 
saying that I thought I was going to die in my sleep because like I had heard somewhere that you can die in your sleep. And so I basically had this idea that every single night I was going to die in my sleep. Like I wasn't going to wake up. And that's, this was when I was maybe like six or seven. And then kind of following that, I started waking up in a panic and crying. And my mom would like come get me and I'd be like shaking uncontrollably and could not calm myself down, hyperventilating and saying I needed to go to the hospital, saying that I thought I was dying. And she would kind of say, do you, do you need to go to the hospital? Do you need, like, is there something really wrong or what's going on? Like, and I think at that time, of course, this is, I was maybe like between like eight, eight to 10 or something at this time. I didn't really know. I obviously didn't know what that was at all. And it, and it just kind of would come and go. And it wasn't something that I was like, I didn't dwell on it much. It's like, once I calmed down, I was fine. And I was just a kid. So my brain didn't really latch onto things so much then. And then once I got into middle school, there was a period where I was having a lot of panic attacks. I wasn't like, I, I was afraid I'd had a few panic attacks and I was very terrified of them at that point because the symptoms are so scary when it happens and it feels so terrible. You can black out, you can lose consciousness. There's just things that like are very scary. And the fact that you think, oh, I can just like, this could just happen to me. I could think this horrible, horrible feeling into existence. And that was so, that's what was so scary to me. And so I was having a lot of panic attacks. I, I wouldn't want to like get out of bed or I'd just like be crying and feeling so terrible. And I just, I didn't really know how to deal with it. And so after that, it kind of got better. I, when I was in early high school, I kind of just like thought that it had gone away. I, I didn't really deal with it. I just thought it was something that was so short-lived in middle school. And I was like, oh, that was just like, I just had like a fear of panic attacks or like blacking out or fainting or something. Like I just was so afraid of that. And I'm not afraid of that anymore. Like whatever. I didn't realize it was like a disorder. And so most of high school, I was honestly like totally fine. I, I played a lot of sports. I really didn't struggle with it much at all. It wasn't until kind of like my junior year when I started driving and I stopped playing sports so I really wasn't active anymore that it started to get really bad again and I had kind of a full onset of panic and anxiety generalized anxiety disorder and and I ended up having those things diagnosed I was not going to school I was telling my mom that I was sick and that I needed to stay home I had a couple of really bad panic attacks at school I remember one day I was at Walmart. I was with some friends and we were eating at the subway and my anxiety had already started getting kind of bad again. I was just feeling really on edge, like really scared that I was going to have a panic attack at any moment. You don't want that to happen when you're driving. You could potentially lose consciousness or like regardless, you really like are not in a headspace to be operating like a vehicle when you have a panic attack because you're just so detached from reality that it's very like terrifying and so things like that started to really freak me out and and we were at this Walmart eating lunch and an older gentleman was checking out at the register and he had a stroke and just like hit the ground and that really freaked me out I just like watched it happen and he was fine but in that moment I went into like a full-blown panic attack I was I could not like really stop it from happening and my heart was like racing and I just like stood up I was like I just need to go I need to go outside like I need to get out of the situation because I was so it's just so terrible I mean it's hard to explain it sounds probably like okay just like relax like that but it's like you get into this space where 
you feel so terrified that something bad is going to happen to you or that like your body goes into full-on survival mode that was just so triggering to me because of my anxiety and these phobias and like I basically like ended up making my friend I was maybe three minutes that Walmart was like three minutes from my high school I made my friend drive my car back and I had to like lay down in the back seat well he drove it back and then I like went back into the school and it was one of those things where I didn't feel like I could tell anybody I was like I just don't feel good like can you drive my car back but I was like very freaked out we got back I was sitting in the lobby waiting for like the bell to ring to go to class and I was just sitting on the floor and I could not get up I was like if I get up I'm gonna have a panic attack I'm gonna pass out I'm gonna throw up like I literally cannot stand up and I didn't go to class and my friends who I would just was just at lunch with who were in that class were texting me like where are you are you coming to class and I just like was not responding to anybody I called my mom and I was like I just feel really sick like I need you to pick me up I feel I said I had a migraine or I just made something up I was like I just need to come home like just like crying I had to like go sit in the office and wait for her to pick me up and like I was so scared to even get up and go do that because I was like something bad is going to happen to me and I just could not shake that feeling and I remember like laying just like laying down in the back seat the whole way home getting home and like I didn't want to be alone I was like so scared if I was alone like something terrible was gonna happen like I was gonna die or something I was in I was like 17 or 18 years old at this time like I was basically an adult and I remember just like having to go to sleep and it wasn't until I woke up that I was like oh my god I finally feel better but I was my mom was like working in this office at our house like this little office room we had and we had there was a bed in there a guest bed and I was like just laying on there like I didn't want to be alone even like in another room of the house like I was just so scared to be alone I remember thinking then that I was like okay I really need to figure out what this is but it was it just still felt so embarrassing or like oh I just can't do anything I'm just afraid of everything like there wasn't really a an answer for me at that point and I just thought I just need to like get over this I just wanted to go away like I started to develop agoraphobia which is basically a fear of public places or a fear of large crowds and it's due to the fear of having a panic attack in these situations where escape would be difficult or embarrassing so that's another thing that I struggled with for a long time was like I don't want to be I didn't want to go to class because I was like if I have a panic attack I can't get out I didn't want to drive a car because I have a panic attack. I can't get out. So from there, I kind of started to develop a fear of anything that could cause a panic attack or cause fainting or cause like any of these feelings that I had had that were so terrible that made me feel like I was dying. <laughs> anything like that is so freaky to me. So I basically developed a, um, it's called blood injury injection phobia it's a really super common phobia people who see blood have a um, bad injury or get an injection will have a panic attack about it or will faint or whatever so I developed that phobia I developed basically um, disordered eating because I was having a ton of anxiety around food and not having enough food and not having enough water and thinking that I, if I didn't have those things, I was going to have a panic attack again. And because I have heard, had heard of people saying, oh, you can get so dehydrated that you can pass out or you can be hospitalized. And I was so terrified of that that I was terrified of not having enough water and same with food. And so because of that, I developed basically a, a disordered way of eating because I would just, I wouldn't, 
it wasn't like I wouldn't call it binge eating, but I would always have food with me all the time. And if I didn't, I would be like incredibly stressed out. Basically the banana. Basically it's the banana thing. Which is if a you thing know that me. we both have, but for different reasons where we just for some reason always take a banana everywhere. Always. No clue. We're not like that anymore, but well, if you know me, I always have a banana. Literally, still, you, still to this day, of course. So we were just a bunch of bananas, carrying bananas everywhere we went. Yeah, we were the worst. <laughs> um, so that was kind of what happened in high school. And then sort of in late high school, early college, I started dating somebody, kind of my first like long-term relationship. And I ended up really using that person as a crutch. Um and just thinking like I had this idea in my head that like I needed him to keep me from having a panic attack. Like if I started to feel a panic attack coming on, I would like call him or text him and just be like, okay, like I can relax now. And it's just this thing that you do that like you're so afraid of it happening that if there's something that's helped before, you think it's going to help every single time. Before, it's like this is when, this is before I had dealt with it, before I had gone to therapy. I remember that just being a big strain on the relationship because he knew that I had anxiety, but it was, it was a lot deeper for me than I even knew. I was very, very dependent on him and it ended up kind of being one among, among other things, but a downfall of the relationship because it was just too much to put on him. I wasn't dealing with it properly. And so once we broke up, which at that point I was a freshman in college, I really kind of spiraled because I didn't feel like I had that thing that protected me from these panic attacks and these horrible feelings and because I didn't have that I was like I can't I can't go on like I need this person and then I started having my anxiety just got really really terrible from there and I was missing class I was failing classes I was not going to class because I was terrified I was gonna have a panic attack in class if I did go to class I sat in the very back corner closest to the door so that I could get out if I needed to and there were many times where I was just in class and like all I was doing the whole class was like staving off a panic attack all I was doing was just like trying to keep it from happening so when I even was there I wasn't paying attention and I ended up yeah like I said failing many classes and just having basically a really hard time it ended up sort of getting better after that semester that was just rough I wouldn't ever leave my dorm room except for to go to work um and even then that was I was working on campus like that was barely anything I was like living in Boulder with me I was living yeah this is when I this is when we were living together and I started like with some weird girl I'm like with this girl uh, we're not really close don't like (laughs) her anymore and I started to my panic attacks kind of got better where that wasn't quite the issue and I started to develop uh, chronic hyperventilation which is truly the worst I I would always go back and forth and be like I just I wish I could just have panic attacks again because you can just calm down from them and then you're fine chronic hyperventilation can last hours days where you're just not breathing properly and it's a side effect of having an anxiety disorder and I think even at this point it was beyond a generalized anxiety disorder it was really something more severe basically what it is is that you are taking too many small breaths instead of just taking like regular breaths and usually there's like quite a long pause in between breaths and you're just like constantly like breathing in breathing out breathing in breathing out instead of like breathing in breathing out 
breathing in. Like there's usually like a pause. And so that was something that came on out of nowhere. It wasn't like, it's not like you think of hyperventilation where you're like, like freaking out like that. It's not, it's not like that. It's, it's a very subtle thing. It would come on so subtly that by the time I noticed it, I was like, oh my God, there was no reason for this to even happen. And it was, it would, I would get migraines. I would like black out because you're taking in too much oxygen and it's like what happens if you hyperventilate but it was over such a long period of time that randomly I remember being at work one day I was like walking through the kitchen at work and I was having the worst chronic hyperventilation it had been happening for hours and hours at this point and all of a sudden I just like couldn't see anything and I had to like sit down on the floor in the middle of the kitchen at this restaurant that I worked at then I had a full-blown panic attack at that point because I was like oh my god something terrible is happening like your body just goes into survival mode and so that was something that I really struggled with. It was one of those things where the more you thought about it and the more you tried to breathe normally, it got worse. And it got to the point where the only thing that would make it go away and make my breathing return to normal was either to go to sleep or to drink alcohol. And that was not a good thing, but I found that out. Like I was having it one time and I had a drink or something and I realized that like oh my gosh it went away because it relaxes your body to the point where like you're just breathing normally and you're not thinking about it so I basically started to carry wine around in a water bottle everywhere I went it like I'll look back and joke about it but that was a seriously low point for me like I was having to take it to work in a opaque water bottle so that nobody would know I mean I wasn't getting wasted by any Mm -hmm. means but I was I couldn't go anywhere without it and it wasn't it wasn't like I was it wasn't like you were like an alcoholic who like no like needed like to be like so gone all the time. it was just like a coping mechanism that was just extremely unhealthy extremely unhealthy and it was and I knew it was like it was not it right. was something I didn't but tell but if it's the only thing then you're not yeah. gonna be like no I think I'll just take the hyperventilation right like I'll just take losing my vision and potentially my consciousness <laughs> like, while I'm working like instead of just like grabbing a bottle of wine like, right it's it's funny it's like kind of funny to think about sometimes where I'm like oh I used to carry wine around in a water bottle like lol but it was seriously a low point where I was like I, I didn't tell anybody about that like it was just really I was super embarrassed I didn't know what was going on I didn't know how to deal with it um I remember you told me once yeah um, I'm sure because we were living yeah. together at that point so that would make yeah. sense but like you never told me how often you did it because up until like pretty recently I always thought that that was just something you did like every once in a while when your anxiety was really bad instead of like every day right yeah it was like I would take it to class it was always I had a water bottle that I had water in and then I had this opaque water bottle that I had wine in and I would take those would you do a white or red white (laughs) are you a red girl or a white girl (laughs) for your anxiety um when it comes to anxiety I like white but normally red but for just chilling just a girl's night red for sure (laughs) um no so yeah I would carry that around that was it makes sense because red would probably remind you of blood maybe I mean it was just like that's just what I would get I just like I was like uh 20 years old and I was like oh I want boxed pinot grigio like why I was like getting fish eye like disgusting um (laughs) no shade but gross and so then the reason that that ended up I ended up stopping that path that I was going down was because one night I got like super wine drunk and I like got super dizzy because I was just like drinking a ton of wine and was probably crazy dehydrated 
and I had like a panic attack because I didn't feel good. And so then I was like, oh my gosh, I can't drink wine anymore. So (laughs) the nice thing about anxiety is that it really puts, at least for me, like some checks and balances in place. Like I don't think an issue like that could have gotten out of control because I would be too afraid of the side effects of that. Mm -hmm. And that's just for me personally. I know a ton of people struggle with alcoholism and like I'll get into that in just a few minutes of how I felt like I did start to use it more as a You're like, I would do meth once because I know that my body would not allow me to be addicted. Addicted. I'll just try it just one time. Um, (laughs) No, that's a joke. Do not take that seriously. So at this point, I kind of started to going, going to therapy on and off. And it was very expensive. So that like made it tough. But it was definitely helpful. I would recommend it truly to anybody. Um, it was helpful in learning some coping mechanisms, but it wasn't sustainable financially, um, which was super unfortunate. But I did finally start going to therapy. I did finally start kind of getting help. I went to some free therapy and that's something that's typically offered at a university so if you're in school typically they'll offer a number of free sessions per semester or something just to say something to that getting like actually diagnosed for something because I don't know if you had been diagnosed or not but like the first time that I had been to a mental health professional who actually diagnosed me Mm -hmm. with depression that was just so relieving to like even know that I had something and then it was kind of a good starting place to know where to look for information and coping mechanisms and where to go from there. Even if you're like, I can't go to therapy for that long because mm-hmm. I don't have the money, it gives you a good starting place to learn more about it and yeah. get an actual diagnosis. Yeah, it definitely does. Just to like kind of start being like, okay, this is this is what's going on and this is how I can deal with it. So then I ended up developing, it was my sophomore year of college when we lived together, um, developing celiac disease which is a gluten allergy that developed out of nowhere because God hates me. I have no idea. That's, you can, I mean, you can develop allergies at any age, but it was a bummer. It was a huge bummer. Do you think that you had it before and it got worse? I don't know, honestly. A lot of those things, allergies like that can just like set in out of nowhere, like Mm -hmm. soy allergies or like gluten. Yeah, yeah. even, yeah, dairy, like things like that. Well, Mm -hmm. you can just like develop later in life. And so that started happening. I was having a lot of crazy symptoms, I was having a lot of like it, it's um, like a neuro gluten is a neurotoxin if you're allergic to it so it's not like you your throat closes up or something which is fantastic I really didn't know what was going on um, and with like mental health issues you were already like I was obviously definitely, something's not right with me who knows like the last thing you would really think is it was something it was a food eating. allergy yeah. yeah I was having all these like brain fog where I really couldn't I couldn't decipher. And I mean, this is something that I would love to do a full episode on. You basically start to like go into dissociation or like derealization where it feels like there's like a wall between you and like the rest of the world and you feel like very foggy and you can't really, time feels like you can't really keep track of time. You can't really remember like what you were talking about. You kind of have short-term memory loss. Like it's, it was pretty terrible. And I thought, of course, the worst. I'm thinking like there's something wrong with my brain or like, something terrible is happening and you know and I was terrified of the doctor because the doctor's just like stop eating bread yeah and I was like no (laughs) absolutely not no I just at that time and you know still to this day I hated the doctor hated going to the doctor I had a lot of terrible panic Mm -hmm. attacks probably because you just didn't want to know if something was wrong with you well yeah and like just in general I'd had a lot of really traumatic experiences in medical situations and a lot of really terrible panic attacks and it was just like 
a very triggering place for me to be and it still is and so I just didn't want to go I had tons of people saying just go to the doctor just go get some blood tests done I was like mm, mm, no so for the longest time I didn't couldn't find out ended up talking to somebody and they were like it sounds like you have a food allergy and so long story short figured it out but that kind of was a really tough period and then once I got that figured out and then I ended up um, moving to Fort Collins Colorado to go to school up there it really started to get better my mental health really started to be on the up and up she was like the second I got away from Jackie yeah could miles not away wait. from Jackie it got better I just needed to get the fuck out of there um <laughs> no but I I think I just needed a change of scenery I was if you're in a place where you've had a ton of traumatic experiences and panic attacks are very traumatic I was having multiple a day which is horrific I mean now I have it's pretty rare I have them maybe once every few months I'll have a bad one and that's that's very few and far between I was having multiple a day and it was horrifying and I think I just had done I didn't I failed all my classes I was feeling terrible I would miss work like it was really really an awful situation where I would just like want to sleep all day or be in my bed all day because if I got up and tried to do anything I'd have a panic attack it would be like you just need to go outside you just need to get some fresh air you just need to go for a, war- a run like and I was like I literally am terrified to even leave my bed it's so scary to the point that your panic starts to be caused by the fear of having another panic attack and so when I was having them multiple times a day I really just associated this whole place of just being like Everywhere I went was something traumatizing had happened there. I had a panic attack at the dining hall. I'd had a panic attack in this classroom. I'd had a panic attack at my place of work. I just didn't feel comfortable in any of those spaces because you associate it in your brain. You kind of get this PTSD of sorts. Not It's not exactly the same, of course, but basically you don't want to go back to that place because you're afraid it's going to happen again, even though realistically, logically, it has nothing to do with that. But it was so traumatizing that you feel like if you go back, it's going to happen. And I still have that with a lot of things that I'm like, I had such a traumatizing experience at this place that I do not want to go back there just because I had a terrible panic attack there. It's not logical in any way, but it just, that's how your brain associates it. And it can cause you to go into a panic attack again if you go there. So I think getting out of Boulder was really good for me for that reason. And I think that's why when I went to Fort Collins, everything was new. There was nothing there to me that seemed scary or places that seemed so terrible. And the nice thing about panic disorder is that the less panic attacks you have, the less panic attacks you have. Because the more you're having them, the more fresh they are in your brain and the more terrified you are of them because you're like, it's going to happen again, it's going to happen again. And then it does. But if you have, if you just, if I just had one, one day, I'd be like, okay, I only had one, like the next day, maybe none. And then I might just have like one a week. And it's like, oh, they're really not happening that often. I'm not that scared of them. And that makes it so that you don't have them. And it sounds like, oh, that's so simple. Just like, don't be afraid of them. But it's so horrifying that there's no way not to be. It's very traumatizing and you just can't like, (laughs) yeah. Again, like when I moved to Fort Collins, I again had this thing that I was like, okay, I'm finally getting better. Like I'm finally better. It's finally going away. And I, and I think it was, maybe three years that I didn't struggle with it. I was super happy. I was very content. I I really didn't have much of an issue with it at all. 
and I really thought like, oh, it was just like a thing I had when I was younger and like it's going to go away. And I don't think it was until the, the most recent really, really low point that I had, it was maybe worse than it has ever been, that I realized that it's not something that goes away. It's something that you can learn to cope with and deal with and it's something that can get better. It does. It's not something that's going to go away. It's something that I was born with. And I think that was really disheartening to me because around the time that I went to do my internship in New York, it was right before I was, it was maybe a couple months before that. And I think that definitely like didn't help, but I started to have kind of, I had like a bad panic attack in January of that year. It was 2018 kind of, it's like, and your, your brain like marks it. And it's, it's like the fact that I even know that is crazy, but I had a really bad one at this point. And then I started having them like when I would give presentations in class and it just started to get worse and worse. And by the time I was going to New York, it was like kind of getting bad again. So all through that summer and then into like my senior year of college, it just really like spiraled out of control. Um, I would have panic attacks on the subway because I, you can't get out. You're underground. You can't get out. There's people all around you. Like you're trapped. And I would just like go into a panic attack on the subway and you have no service so you can't get on your phone you can't distract yourself like you're literally just stuck there and it's hot it's a thousand degrees in the subway in the summer in New York it was just like really hard and so from there I just really spiraled going into my senior year of college there was a lot going on with school and work and all these other factors that there was just no time for me to get it under control and it just got worse and worse and worse I feel like I lost a ton of weight I just was like not doing well at all the tiniest things would trigger me like it was really a bad situation I missed like my graduation ceremony I went and had my name read really near the beginning maybe in the first three rows of like 60 and then I just like dipped and never saw many of those people again and I just like couldn't be there because I was like I'm gonna have a panic attack and it was just really terrible it was really bad that whole summer following that um I went on like a couple trips I went on a trip with my mom and my stepdad and like it was it was supposed to be this fantastic trip to Portland and Oregon and it was fun but like the whole time I was there I could not stop like going into panics and like it just wasn't conducive like I just felt like it wasn't fun for them it wasn't fun for me because I could not get my mental health under control so finally near the end of the summer I started seeing someone again a psychiatrist and he recommended me getting on medication and so I ended up trying four different medications and they were all they all gave me terrible side effects I was having like a lot of really bad reactions to them that's not to say that that's gonna happen to everybody that was just me I ended up finding one that's super helpful to me it lowers your blood pressure just like by a tiny bit and it makes it so that it's harder for your body to go into a panic to even get to that threshold it just like lowers the threshold a little bit and so you're not getting to this crazy high point of panic. You can only get up so high. There's like a ceiling because your blood pressure is lowered. I take like the smallest dose once a day and it has made a world of difference. It has improved my quality of life tremendously. It's just something that's really helped me and I haven't, knock on wood, I haven't struggled a ton with anxiety since then. I still I still struggle with a lot of things every day. I still have a hard time with things like going to the doctor I hate going to the doctor I still have a hard time with disordered eating because I still have a ton of anxiety around food and these things have gotten better over the years but it's just something that takes a long time to work through and this medication kind of just like gives you the opportunity to work through them mm -hmm. because otherwise you 
how are you going to work through things if you're having like six panic attacks? Yeah. It, it is something that's far more under control now than it's ever been in my life. I, I, there's still tons of things that I could do to make it even that much better. And there's still a ton of days that I struggle, but it's something that's definitely, uh, on the up and up. So that's kind of my experience with it. So yeah, what has been your experience with anxiety? Cause I know you've had some. So obviously my experiences with anxiety haven't been as personal or extensive or ongoing as yours. I've struggled with some anxiety, but what I've mostly struggled with is social anxiety pretty badly. I kind of started developing social anxiety, maybe like late high school, college. The average age of developing social anxiety is 13, whereas general anxiety, the average age of developing it is 31, which I think is interesting. But I think it's like very common with like the onset of puberty and kind of realizing yourself as a real human that has to actually face problems in the world, um, has to actually talk to people. And that's kind of like brings on this fear of social situations. So people with social anxiety disorder tend to worry about meeting new people, being observed, and performing in front of others. And their thought content typically centers on negative evaluation and possibly rejection. And I was just so worried every time I would meet new people, every time I would do like a presentation in class, or every time I was at a party, I would just have these this negative cycle of thoughts like, oh, these people don't like me. Oh, I'm going to say the wrong thing. I'm going to embarrass myself and I'm going to get rejected. And it was actually like similar to what you were saying about your panic disorder. I felt like the thought of me having social anxiety kind of made the social anxiety worse. Like, oh, I'm going to have social anxiety, so I don't want to do this thing. I don't want to go to this party or whatever. I would have anxiety about the anxious thoughts that I was having. Like, oh, I'm being weird because all I'm doing is thinking about this social anxiety instead of having fun. Like, oh, I, it sucks that I can't have fun because I'm all I'm doing is thinking about this, about these thoughts and about how people perceive me. And then I got into weed in, in my sophomore year of college. And for some reason, it only magnified the feeling to the point where I like would almost start hyperventilating when I was in public and I was high, but I would like keep doing it because we'd help my depression when I was alone and then I would have to go do things. So I would get high when I was alone and depressed and then I'd be like, okay, well now I have to go to class or now I have to go to a party and then I would go and have like major social anxiety. So I really would just like stay home a lot and kind of sulk in my depression and in a way it kind of made my depression worse too because I wasn't getting that like social inter- that meaningful social interaction and it sucked because it wasn't even like even if I was with close friends it wouldn't even go away it still would be like how are my close friends perceiving me it almost was worse than if it was like random people like in the grocery store it was okay because it was like probably never gonna see this person mm-hmm. again but if it was like my close friends or even worse like acquaintances that I was like kind of getting to know be like what is this person perceiving of me what what do they think of me all the time and then I started going through some actual anxiety in 2019 so once the pandemic started 
I and I was going through social anxiety really badly and just like normal anxiety it was kind of just like mixing up to a point where I felt like it was just too much to take on and I decided to stop smoking weed altogether because I'm also a hypochondriac and I was just like every time I smoked weed I would talk myself into having COVID and feeling like I'm gonna die from COVID because I don't have anyone here at the time I was living in DC and I was like I don't have anyone here to take care of me if I get sick Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna die because no one's looking out for me here and I um, don't want to go outside because I feel like I'm gonna get it and I don't want to stay in here because I'm extremely depressed and I feel like I have no control over my future. It was just like too many things all at once and and so I stopped smoking weed and that helped imen- immensely. We're going to talk a little bit about the coping mechanisms and ways that we help ourselves when it comes to anxiety. For the coping mechanisms, Nicole is going to talk for the majority of the time about them because she's actually been to therapy for anxiety. These are like tried and tested methods of dealing with anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I think that you have a lot more experience with that, but I'll kind of chime in if like I have some experience with them too. Yeah. And a lot of this is just things that like some of it's stuff I've learned in therapy, some of it's stuff that I have just found really helps me in the moment. The first thing I kind of want to talk about is just what you can do during a panic attack or an anxiety attack if you feel like you feel one coming on, if you're somebody who has panic attacks or, you know, they can happen to any. I mean, they can happen to anybody. And I've had many people reach out to me and say, I think I had a panic attack. What does it feel like? And I've never had one before. And it can happen for many different reasons. I'm not saying it's going to happen to you. And it's Unless you have a disorder, it's not something that's going to continue to happen. So definitely not something to be afraid of. Um, But it's good to know in case you do find yourself in that situation or if you are having regular anxiety attacks or panic attacks and you don't know how to deal with them. These are just some things that have helped me. The first one, which is a pretty, you know, well-known one. And I'll just run through these pretty quick. But taking deep breaths or controlled breathing. The main thing you have to do is control your breathing so you can lower your heart rate back down so your body comes out of this fight or flight survival response a good way to do that is square breathing so you'll like breathe in for four seconds hold it for four seconds breathe out for four seconds hold for four seconds then breathe in so it's just like you're doing four seconds of each that's just like a good activity that i learned in therapy another thing i learned in therapy which is a big thing is you want to ground yourself back into reality a lot of times it's like your brain starts spinning out and you're you're going into this panic for whatever reason um you're terrified of something and i'm not going to say it's on your head because that's like the worst thing you could say to somebody but what happens is you're getting so deep in your head and so in your fear that your body starts to have a physical reaction to it and so you have to bring yourself back into the present moment and a great way to do that is grounding um which just kind of is like feeling your feet on the floor feeling your like butt in the chair like whatever feeling the weight of yourself in the area that you're at Mm -hmm. and then something you can do is called the five four three two one grounding exercise like if you feel feel a panic attack coming on or you're in one try to come back to reality and name five things you can see four things you can touch three things you can hear two things you can smell one thing you can taste So it's your five senses and... You're like blood. I can taste blood. Yeah, that's (laughs) it. No, 
I just want to say about your comment pertaining to it being all in your head. I mean, it kind of is in a it way is, because it's, like, it's not like it's also like if I'm having a panic attack, you're not. I mean, you might yeah, be it's having not a panic like, attack, but that's because you have. Yeah, it's not typically disorder, brought on. But, it's not typically brought on by something that's actually happening. Mm-hmm. It's brought on by a triggering thought or seeing mm-hmm. something triggering or whatever. So, however, I I do just want to say that just because it's on your head doesn't mean it's not valid or, or real. real. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I don't say, oh, it's on your head because people say that to me all the time. It's just mm-hmm. in your head. You just got to get out of your just head. Get out, get out and of I'm your like, head. Yeah. That's way easier said than done. So if you need help, it's doing honestly that, the same as saying like, calm down. You know? Right, exactly. Or relax. Like, that's like, not helpful. Oh, there's this TikTok that this girl is like, I finally found the cure for anxiety. Um, someone today told me to just relax. Mm-hmm. And 10 years, 10 years of my anxiety disorder down the drain, mm-hmm. all I needed to do is fucking relax. And that's what she says. It's just. People are like, you just need to relax. You just need to get mm-hmm. out of your head. It's like, that, duh. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, doc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that. How do I How do I do that? Like, it would be so much more helpful if someone's like, um, would you like me to get you some water or something like that? Like, or like, just get you some water. Like, just like doing just something. Just like try to help. Yeah. yeah. So you can try to do this grounding, ac- grounding exercise. That's super helpful. Some other things you can do are just try not to be in a crouched position. If your body thinks that it's in danger or it's in survival mode, you typically during a panic attack, like for me, I will like cross my legs. I will hunch over. I will become super tense. And if you sit upright and sit back with your back against wherever the chair, whatever you're sitting on, this will signal to your brain that you're not in danger and it will actually bring down your level of panic basically because your brain will flip the switch that says like oh I'm not in danger because the body is not in this Mm -hmm. crouched basically like fighting position so uh so I feel like it's really common for you to be like okay my body does what my brain does but what people don't realize also is that your brain sometimes does what your body does which is why you know books will tell you things like oh, if you stand in a power pose, you will feel more confident before you go into, like, an interview. Right. It's Stuff like, like that. It's similar for, like, anxiety. Right. Like, you can send these signals to your brain that basically say you're not in danger. So that's something that's super helpful. Another huge thing is to try to cool off your body. Try to cool down because you can end up really, like, overheating when you're going into a panic attack. So they're either having cold air blowing on you or a cold rag um, and it's good to put it like on your face, um, your wrists and your neck, especially because it will, that's where like a lot of your blood flow is. So it's really helpful to do that. I almost always will get a cold rag if I am having a panic attack or feeling like I'm going to have a panic attack. The first thing I'll do is like just run and get a cold rag. Um, it's super helpful and just like relaxing you. And I found that that's like kind of a foolproof way to, to at least help it get a little bit better telling yourself that you're not dying that you are okay that this is going to end um, is a huge thing just kind of talking yourself down from it that can be super hard in the moment so it's not always something that's going to work because typically in the moment you're so terrified that like you can't really talk yourself out of it but there's always once you start to kind of come down a little bit you can just like really start to ground yourself and say that you're okay it can't last forever your body can't stay in a state of panic for very long it's usually typically really short I'd say the longest panic attack I've ever had is maybe two to three minutes your body can't stay in that state 
you just have to know that like it's it's not going to last forever it is going to go away and that will help you start to relax regardless because your body just physically can't stay in that state for super long um, and then the last thing, which is something that's, I, I don't try to do this a lot anymore because I'll kind of explain a little bit later why, but it's in for a cognitive reason, it's not great. But if you really aren't finding anything that's helping, it's super helpful to just pull up a TV show that's like a feel good show, something that isn't going to be triggering or upsetting. And this will get you out of your own head, but it'll still distract you from maybe whatever triggered you in the first place or just kind of bring you back into like a state of relaxation and this is definitely something that's helpful although there's a few reasons why it's not always great to something like putting on a show or just distracting yourself is kind of what they call um in therapy as like jumping off the cliff instead of like riding this wave of anxiety so a big thing that's used to treat anxiety is cognitive behavioral therapy, commonly known as CBT. And it's basically changing patterns of thinking, like negative patterns of thinking, not negative thinking, but basically unhelpful or negative patterns of thinking that are causing you to have anxiety or depression, PTSD. Um, and this can be done through specific mental exercises. Um, sometimes they're purely mental sometimes they're physical one of these is to kind of like ride quote-unquote the panic panic or anxiety wave a lot of times when you get to that height of anxiety where your heart rate is so high you're basically in like a full-blown panic to do something that's going to stop it and it's tracks it's actually not helpful to do that um because it's what they call like jumping off the cliffs you go into flight mode and you completely just like do something where it just like shuts it off really quick instead of staying at that height and letting your body be there and then come down again slowly when you do that when you kind of go on this like bell curve shape eventually that curve will get lower and lower because you're letting yourself feel it instead of just bailing every single time it happens and it's kind of hard to explain but that's why it's not always the most helpful thing to just distract yourself and totally make it just go away all of a sudden it it's gonna it's gonna be what you want to do because it's gonna feel the best but if you just hold out it'll actually help your brain develop a different pattern and the panic will start that threshold will start to get lower and lower of how much panic you can really go into so yeah it there's a lot of cbt techniques Definitely grounding activities are a huge one. Um, a big one that is more physical is called crossing the midline. And basically what that is, is there's a there's this obviously like imaginary midline of your body from head to toe, like a vertical line that separates your body. And when you're in a state of anxiety or panic or even depression or PTSD, the two sides of your brain your left brain and your right brain aren't working together they're working separately so you're in turn like say in a panic attack you're operating purely on emotion and there's absolutely no logic and that's why you go into such a panic and there's really usually no reason for it almost never is there an actual present threat or danger but you go into a panic based fully on emotion and that emotion is fear and so if you cross the midline physically you take your left hand and put it on your right leg and your right hand and put it on your left leg and you kind of go back and forth like that it 
physically reconnects the sides of your the two sides of your brain to start working together so you're working off of both logic and emotion that's something I've learned in many different therapy sessions with different therapists they always kind of talk about that and they'll have you do that exercise um crossing your legs can help but crushing your legs can also signal to your body that you're like in a panic mode so it's not that's not always the best one but it is good to do like crossing your hands or like standing and doing like a pigeon pose in yoga or something where you're like crossing it's like kind of rare that you cross your midline just in everyday life like unless you know it's just not that common um but it's a good exercise to do to get your brain to start firing on both sides again instead of just the emotion side the last one is to just think of um the last one that I can think of is when you're having anxious thoughts the the way that anxious thoughts become a full-blown anxiety or panic attack is that you have an anxious thought and you grab onto it and you start to think about it more and more and you start to like it's hard to explain if it hasn't happened to you but basically something will like trigger me and then I'll start thinking about it and dwelling on it and it gets worse and I start to spiral and my heart rate starts to go up and I'm like then I start to be like oh my god I'm gonna have a panic attack and panic attacks are so scary I don't want that to happen and the more I try to stave it off the worse it gets and the worse it gets and you can go into like a full panic basically but if you think of these anxious thoughts as just like clouds floating by or like a tv channel and you just say I'm just gonna change it or I'm just gonna watch this cloud float by I'm gonna notice it I'm not going to grasp onto it or dwell on it I'm just gonna let it go by and let the next thoughts come it's actually like a great mental exercise and changes your thinking patterns as well so those are all kind of some cognitive behavioral therapy um, exercises that are super helpful and they're backed by a ton of research and science and they have been helpful for me in the past if you are struggling with social anxiety and you're in a social situation where you're freaking out and feel like you can't enjoy wherever you're at and you're just really in your head and you just really don't want to be there anymore. I found that there's a lot of similar coping mechanisms, but a few that we haven't really mentioned. One, one thing that really helps is to tell people that you're having social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that works with like regular anxiety. Yeah, it it's does. super helpful. It's like saying it takes away like the power the power mm-hmm. of that fear it's like yeah. when you just when you're trying to hide it people know like my family would always tell me that they'd be like we know you can just say and I'm like yeah, yeah. and then and when I say it I'm like I'm just really anxious I'm automatically like okay I don't have to I don't have the anxiety of trying to not have anxiety too yeah. just like you know. yeah because I think like a huge thing with social anxiety is that you're so worried about other people are going to see that you're having social anxiety and that you're so in your head. So just saying it just kind of like takes away some of the power from Mm -hmm. it. So that like has always really helped me. And since I started doing that, it's helped, honestly, helped more than anything else. It's just Mm -hmm. telling people. Um, And you just kind of say like, I'm feeling like super anxious in this situation or I'm feeling... Or I'll honestly just be like, I have social anxiety, like, I'll just like bring it up in conversation Mm -hmm. and then it kind of like takes away the power by like also it not being a thing just like something that comes up in conversation yeah you're not like not focused on mm -hmm. it exactly yeah Yeah, so that that really helps if you can just like bring it up in conversation like one of the first conversations like yeah I was just like kind of having social anxiety like 
before this so I was like kind of stressed out coming here stuff like something like that and people are totally people are usually like oh I totally get that or like oh that sucks like well come with me I'll hang out with you whatever it's like people are so responsive to that but when you're trying to hide it so much like it really is so much worse like when I'm trying to hide that I'm having a panic attack I'm just like quiet and I just sit there and I don't say anything and I'm just in my head and it's like everyone knows what's happening Mm -hmm. if you just say it then they're like okay how can I help you maybe or like yeah what can I do to make this better it's kind of like the phrase like help me help you like if you don't even if people don't even know the problem then they feel like they can't even like help you out I think it's hard with some situations because it's like you're not going to be in a classroom or at work like I have social anxiety that's just not really as acceptable Mm -hmm. so in those situations where it's not really as acceptable I find that writing stuff down is really helpful um writing down my feelings what I used to do is I would write down a socially anxious thought that I had on a piece of paper in class or at work and then when I would leave I would crumple it up and throw it away like similar to what you were saying about anxious thoughts being kind of clouds that are just floating by Mm -hmm. that's a really good technique with everything yeah but writing it down kind of made it like it's there so I don't have to worry about it I don't have to think it myself because it's on paper and then when I threw it away it was kind of like it doesn't really matter Mm -hmm. you know it's not a thought because it's like even if I have like the same socially anxious thought over and over again every time I'm anxious if I didn't write it down, it would just like keep coming back. But if I wrote it down, then I'd be like, I know that's a thought. And just because it's a thought that I've had doesn't mean it's true. And then by writing it down and throwing it away, it kind of like made it feel false or yeah. like not like hold any weight. Yeah, that's yeah. super, super helpful. One other way to approach social anxiety is to put yourself in situations that kind of counter the ones that you've had before that maybe have been traumatic like I used to really be afraid of going into public situations like the grocery store because I thought that people were looking at me and thinking that I'm a weirdo for buying certain things or for the way I conduct myself at grocery stores so every time I was in line at the grocery store I would talk to one person in line or every time I was at the bank I would talk to one person in line Wherever I would go where I don't know anyone, I would just talk to a person that I don't know and just have a short conversation with them because I was really afraid of random people being mean to me and making my day bad and yelling at me for something. And so I put myself in those awkward situations to try and reteach myself that people aren't that scary and that most people are going to be friendly and nice to you and being as nice as I possibly could so that way I know that if that person wasn't nice to me that means that it was because of a problem that they were having not anything I was doing so putting even though it's really hard putting yourself in those situations can help retrain your brain and face those phobias another big thing is like I think with just regular anxiety too is just like distracting yourself which is why it's helpful to tell other people too because they can help distract you but sometimes it's like when you know you're think you're thinking anxious thoughts I don't think it does myself any good to just sit around and think them mm-hmm. no no it's really not that's really typically not helpful it can be helpful to write it down and get it out it can be helpful to call a friend and talk about it mm-hmm. but just like dwelling on it will yeah. usually just make it worse mm-hmm. 
Or just, like, not be helpful. Yeah, exactly. Or, like, just, like, doing something that completely takes you out of yourself, like, watching a TV show. It's just, like, not helpful because you're not actually dealing with it. Whereas, like, if you were to exercise after you felt that way, I'm I'm not sure if, like, after a panic disorder, I mean, after a panic attack, you'd want to exercise but because you're probably yeah, so tired. Yeah, but, like, maybe later. Like, like mm-hmm. once you've regained your energy or something. And or like, if you, like, call a friend or something like that, it's, like, you're still riding that wave of mm-hmm. feeling. If you're, like, calling a friend and talking about it, you're you're distracting yourself from the actual panic attack while also riding that wave. Yeah, like, while not just saying, like, I just need to get away from it. Because it does feel like you're, like, I just want this to end. Mm-hmm. I just want to get away from this as soon as possible because I feel like I'm in imminent danger and even though you're not it's like your brain basically tells you that and so it is good to like feel what you're feeling and then let it go instead of just saying like I'm just gonna completely I don't even know I'm gonna completely distract myself to the point of like all of a sudden I'm so much more relaxed a couple other things that are really helpful I won't go into too much because these are really common ones but they are incredibly helpful um the first one is exercise it increases serotonin dopamine in the brain oftentimes people with mental health disorders are lacking in these chemicals that's that's typically what's going on is you have a lack of something or whatever in your brain and you need more of it in order to function properly it it lowers your overall blood pressure and heart rate it just like you have a lower resting heart rate and that can really help with decreasing panic attacks it improves your mental function it increases your energy it improves your sleep just releases any pent-up nervous energy and then of course gives you the overall feeling of confidence that you can achieve something and you can get stronger and exercise has been something that i've yet to get on a regular schedule with it or really reap the benefits and that's something that i'd love to work on more in the same token a healthy diet is super important there's a ton of science linked to a healthy diet and mental health i'm sure like exercise and healthy diet is not really new when it comes yeah to, it's not it's yeah. not like a hot take it's just it's something to think about when you're debating on like what the best next step is for you if you're struggling with mental health it's like have i tried these things because it's always great to look for something that's naturally going to make mm-hmm. you feel better and but that's again not always going to work for everybody some people truly do need medication and it's not for everybody it's not forever but some people do need to be on it some people do need yeah. to be on it for a long time I also find that medication is really good for if you can't even take the next step because it's like mm-hmm. how are you going to exercise if you can't go to the gym yeah. because you're having panic attacks there exactly like yeah sometimes you need it to just mm-hmm. get over that initial really tough period you need it to just Mm -hmm. quiet the noise for a second so that you can actually try to do some of these other Mm -hmm. remedies these more natural remedies but I feel like there's a lot of stigma with medication because it's like oh you haven't tried exercise or a healthy diet getting better sleep first well like why don't you try that and then go to medication but it's like if you can't get out of bed, like it's just like the same as depression. It's like, if you can't get out of bed to exercise, to make yourself meals, to go to the doctor. Yeah. How are you going to? Sometimes you just need that one Mm -hmm. thing. And in the same sense, it's like, you also don't want to be like, oh, I'm really anxious. I just need, oh no, my water's empty. Do you want some more? 
maybe just um, a little bit. I'll just pour a little in. Yeah. Thanks. Like a pill to fix it. It's like, yeah. well, that's also maybe not the answer. I think it's a combination of things. And again, the bottom line is everybody is different. Everybody is going to be going to have a different situation and a different chemical makeup of their brain and a different experience like you said it's just all gonna be very case by case so again if this is something you're dealing with and you're looking to take the next steps you're not you're not sure where to go definitely speak with a mental health professional it's it's totally fine to start with just your general practitioner that's not always the best situation it's definitely great to see a psychiatrist or a psychologist or anything Um, a lot of times general health practitioners just want to prescribe Xanax or something that's Mm -hmm. like that's not really the fit for everybody and a lot of times you have to try different medications to find what works for you you have to try different types of therapy like it's great to explore things of course that's not available to Mm -hmm. everybody and just speaking with a health professional in general is is the best step but it is good to look at all the options before just getting a Xanax prescription or something. It's it's like that. For some people, mm-hmm. that's truly the right thing for them, not for everybody. Also, it's two different mindsets. If you're like, I just want a pill for this to stop. Like, I don't care about getting better. I just want these to stop. Versus like, I want to be healthier. I want to get better. Yeah, like I want to get to a point where I can even... It was, for me, it had gotten so bad. This was a year and a half ago. It had gotten so bad to the point where I legitimately couldn't function. I was having a lot of estranged relationships with my friends and my family because I wasn't dealing with it and it was weighing on them when I was with them. And it was just, and I had to step back and say, this is not my fault, but it's my responsibility to figure out how to take care of myself Mm -hmm. and I had to just say I was terrified of taking medication for a long time. I was terrified of how it would make me feel because a lot of my anxiety is based on how my body is physically feeling. And finally, I just said I have to do it. And I tried, you know, many different medications before I found one that worked for me. And that's typically how it's going to go. And that period is tough, but it's 1000% worth it because Mm -hmm. I found something that just helped me get to a point where I could function and then I started to get so much better and I still take it every single day it doesn't make me feel terrible it doesn't change who I am it doesn't change my personality it just makes it so that I can function and live a normal life you know maybe someday I will be able to get off of it like I don't I don't foresee myself needing to be out forever if I develop a healthy exercise routine or a diet or coping mechanisms like or maybe I will be on it forever it does it's just about finding what works for you and what's what's the best thing for your body, mm-hmm. basically in your brain that's going to yeah. help you. If someone you know is struggling with, with anxiety, what can you do to support them? Yeah, I've had a lot of situations where I felt like the person really wanted to help me and they just didn't know how and that's completely understandable um, when you're on the other side of it and you maybe haven't dealt with it before or you haven't dealt with it to that magnitude. Um, it can be really daunting to know what to do and how to help. It's great to want to be supportive. I do think you don't want to get in a place where somebody thinks that it's your responsibility to fix it. If that's the case, it's not. that's not a really healthy approach. 
I've been in that place before where I didn't think it was someone's responsibility to fix it, but I thought that this person could fix it just because I, I just didn't, I didn't understand it enough. I was young and I just didn't get it enough. And I thought this person can basically fix me. And that just put too much pressure on them under completely understandably. So because that person couldn't fix it for me and it wasn't that person's responsibility to fix it. So I think if you want to support somebody who's going through this and help them and be there for them as they work through it and figure out how to cope with it, some of the best things you can do is if somebody is having a panic attack or just having anxiety, the first thing that's always so helpful to me is if somebody says, what can I do to help you? Instead of saying, you need to do this. You need to get outside. You need to drink a glass of water. You just need to relax. You just need to calm down. Those things aren't really helpful. You might think it's helpful because for you, you're like, if I was in this situation, I would just calm down. For people with anxiety, that's not always possible. Rarely does that help for somebody to say that. So the best thing you can do is just say, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. What can I do in this moment to make you feel better? What can we do together? Is there something I can do to get your mind off of it? Do you want to X, Y, Z together? If there's something that this person really likes doing that really brings them peace. If somebody, if I was having a ton of anxiety and someone said, hey, do you just want to order some food and watch a movie? That automatically would make me feel better because that's something I love doing. That's something that's a very relaxing activity. We don't, there's no pressure to go out in public. There's no pressure. And it's not to say you should constantly coddle somebody, uh, but, but just to be supportive. I mean, it's not your responsibility to fix them. So you should just do what you can to be supportive in the moment. And a lot of that is just saying, how can I help? And, or you can say, you know, talk to me. What's going on? What's going on in your head right now? Do you want to talk about it? If not, I'm just here to sit with you and be with you and help you feel safe in this situation because it does feel really scary and I never expressed that to almost anybody it was rare that somebody knew how to help me because I wouldn't tell them what I needed and I wouldn't tell them outside of a panic attack that when I am having anxiety this is what I need I wouldn't tell them because I was embarrassed and I was ashamed and I felt guilty like I was making their life harder I was a burden on them and the bottom line is if somebody loves you and wants to be around you and cares about you and supports you they will want to help you you just have to tell them sometimes you just have to tell them what you need in that moment and for everybody it might be different but for somebody if you're someone who who has a loved one like Jackie said who who struggles with anxiety or really any mental health issue the best thing you can do is say I'm here I'm not going anywhere I support you I love you and what can I do to help you in this situation what can I do for you right now what would help you feel better right now I mean do you have any final thoughts you want to say on this um no okay well I'll wrap it up (laughs) (laughs) I'll take care of the final thoughts don't you don't you worry if you are struggling with anxiety um a you can always reach out to me my my dms are always open I am more than happy to discuss this I've Talk to, talking to people has always been really helpful for me and if you feel like you need someone to talk to or someone who gets it I 1000% get it and I am more than happy to talk more with you or just be there for you whatever aside from that I mean I think it's just good to know that th- that if you are dealing with this it's not your fault but and- it is your responsibility <laughs> but motherfucker you better deal with it whenever I've gone back to therapy or tried a medication it's always been super stressful and scary 
and it is hard but if you just start taking these little baby steps towards basically feeling better you you really won't regret it and I'm here to tell you that there is hope and there is light and it's not it's not going to be terrible forever and just knowing that is is a good feeling so yeah we're going to wrap it up yeah there are a ton of really fantastic resources books podcasts websites blogs tiktoks like just all sorts of things that are really really helpful do you want to say your favorite one yeah i love there's a couple like people i follow on instagram lisa Oliveira therapy is a really great one it's not just for anxiety but just all around great therapy the food mood solution is a book that i have read um super helpful about how different foods affect your mental health then there's like a lot of great podcasts i mean it's all we'll, we'll put a bunch of these like in the story we might make a post of them with some links just a lot of there's a ton of great resources out there and they're just that are super helpful so again if you're struggling you know that's another great place to start looking for help but yeah we're we're gonna wrap it up there and thanks for being here for another week and we will see you guys next week do you want to say where they can find us no i don't i don't want you guys to find i don't want us. anybody to find us anymore i'm over it you can find us <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. we're not good at this you would think you would think and after yet, 22 episodes yeah i just knew i was missing something i knew there was i was missing something you can find us on instagram <laughs> at so good so far podcast you can find me on instagram at nicole pilgrim and you can find me at jackie's attic if you feel so inclined you can go on to itunes find our podcast and rate us five stars and review really helps us out if not have a great day and we'll talk to you next week all right bye, bye.